Welcome to our seventh bonus food episode. This week, we have a buffet. Don't delay. Get in line. There's magic in those chafing dishes under those heating lamps. It's all you can eat, except for the sheep's eyeballs. You only get two of those. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange and sometimes food stories. There was a teacher-specific cafeteria that everybody would go in. And so, of course, I am i didn't want to just hide and not eat lunch with the teachers because I'm like, I'm never going to get to know them if I don't. But I would go in and it's really awkward because I couldn't really speak the language and everyone's sort of like, we don't know how to talk to this American girl. And so one day I got up the courage to order hot tea, which is all I wanted. <laughs> I just wanted some hot tea. The words for spicy and hot are panas and padas. And I basically mixed them up and the whole room burst into laughter. They thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. Oh, I, they like, oh, you want spicy tea? You want spicy tea, not hot tea? And I said, no, I want the hot tea, but I'm so confused. It's so confusing and it's just too much. And, but that broke all the ice. So padas and panas are my, are the two words that stuck with me the entire trip. And now I'm very good. And I know about asking for something spicy and something that is hot. (laughs) So it worked out. (laughs) This week, would you like that tea hot or spicy? Indian hot chocolate and the savory sensation of sheep's eyeball. Join us on a journey around the world to tempt your taste buds. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. slaughtered a sheep for me as a guest of honor. The custom is for the visitor to sit towards the head of the table, and you are given the head, boiled on a platter, dressed with some onions on it, and you get to choose what to do with it, because they all want to eat it. I think it's a macho thing. Like, we eat eat Rocky Mountain oysters in the West, if you know what that is. So there's some macho-ness to it. It's not like it tastes good. And also, it's a huge gesture, or it's a huge signifier. If the guest carves up the head and hands some of it to you as a member of the table, that's the person designating your stature to them. And so that was my out. I'm like, okay, well... Well, then we will carve up this. So I start carving off the cheek and I start carving off this and handing it out. And they realize the gig. They're like, "Mm, well, you must keep the best part for yourself. I was like, oh, God, what is this going to be? And my host reaches over and plucks out the eyeball and says, this one's yours. And with the whole table watching, I look up at this eyeball that's looking back at me 
and I make sure there's a glass of water really nearby and put it down the hatch and it slips and it slides and it jiggles. <laughs> it barely went down, but I got it down. Sheep eyeball. I can add that to the list. I've got an eye phobia too. So this couldn't hit me at a worse spot. This really couldn't. Like when I got contacts as a kid, it took me like two years to be able to touch my eyeball. I just walked around blind forever. So to have this thing that was like the size of, I like what, how could I even compare? It was like the size of a golf ball, but it would, and it was salty because it had tears in it. And I didn't want to taste it. And Lord, I did not want to chew it. I just knew I could not bite down on this eyeball. So I had to swallow something about the size of a mouse, you know, straight down with a lot of water. Oh, goodness. This is swallowing my fears. And my host looks at me and he goes, you liked it. There are two. <laughs> one dish, this gelatinous meat dish that they serve in Serbia. It seems like every grandmother has this waiting for you in their home to give to you as soon as you get there. I'm sure for some people it's lovely. For me, it's like one of the most repulsive things I've ever encountered, but it's it's a it's like a jello mold with chunks of meat floating in it. It's one of those things where when you arrive to someone's home and that's what they're offering you, you have to eat it no matter what. And they don't care if you're a vegetarian or whatever. You just have to sit with it. So I feel like the, I don't know if it's necessarily a crazy food story, but probably one of the grossest things I've ever eaten and I had to eat over and over again was this gelatinous meat dish. And even if you complain about it and to, to your friends, obviously I would never complain to the person who cooked it for me, but when I would talk to friends about it later, they would say, oh, it's so full of minerals, it's so healthy, it's so good for you. And it, when you look at it, it's just a jello mold with floating meat in it. You're like, there's no way <laughs> that this is a health food. <laughs> I think that really the fish really stood out for me. There was this restaurant right behind the market. You walked in, it was a fish market. Uh, in the back was this restaurant. Probably had about 60 seats maybe, one waiter. But you would pick your fish and then they would roast it over an open fire for you with vegetables and just some really great Slovenian olive oil. And, and the simplicity of it all was, was the finest meal. I say that having uh, eaten some great meals from some chefs who have Michelin stars. Boran Vida, which is one of uh, like an Indian form of hot chocolate almost, so much better. Uh, so my host family, or my host mom specifically, from my very first day in India till my last would wake me up every morning with a, with a hot cup of Boran Vida. So definitely miss, uh, you know, that, that's definitely my preferred wake up routine. Thank you.
in Indore, my host city specifically, a very big food tradition is pocha jalebi. Um, families will traditionally eat it in uh, Sunday on Sunday mornings. And jalebi is like this fried dough soaked in syrup. So that's like the sweet. And it's contrasted with this really nice, like almost like rice, but with chives and, and other Indian spices in it um, called poha. Um, and so somebody will take a bite of poha and then take a bite of jalebi. And it just makes this awesome like combination that I, I can't even describe. But I, I definitely miss poha jalebi as well. I can tell you that some things during iftar are pushing the envelope just a tad due to the fact that I think the goal is to make tasty, calorie-dense food. Sometimes that would include taking a sandwich and frying it. Um, I probably could have gone without the frying portion. On our excursion, they were selling dried fish, which is essentially like you know, salt cod or something that we would find around Christmas time. It's laid out in the sun. It smells like it was laid out in the sun. And it tastes like it was laid out in the sun. But it is absolutely a delicacy. It's an acquired taste. Since that initial shock, I, I have grown to really like that as well. Craziest food experience was definitely chicken feet. I had no idea that was a thing. I didn't know it was edible. So I decided to try it. It was very crunchy. Not a huge fan of it, but I decided to try it anyway. And then the other was tarantula. Tried that as well. And I don't want you to get the idea that most Chinese people eat this on a regular basis. Um, chicken feet more than tarantulas. Uh, it's just more kind of a delicacy. Uh, however, I did try the tarantula, almost threw up from it, definitely spit it out after taking a small nipple. Very salty, very crunchy. Um, it's still hairy though. So this crunchy hair, so. <laughs> when I went to Delhi, there were a couple truths that people told me pieces of advice that I should follow. Uh, one was don't eat the street food, uh, particularly pani puri, which is this delicious little puff of dough that's hollow and filled with chutney and uh, this flavored water and spices and everything you could ever want in your mouth in one bite. And the second truth was that I had to attend an Indian wedding no matter what. I had to figure it out try and get an invite because they are like out of this world incredible. So both of these pieces of advice led me to uh, attending a wedding of um, a friend's relative, distant, like no relation to me, but uh, very uh, kindly invited me along to see the festivities. I was also promised that there would be a chat bar, so essentially Indian street food or snacks. And I was super excited because I had tried to avoid eating street food because I had been told I would get deli belly from it. I show up, I see the chat bar, I like I'm ready for it, I'm so excited. I like get there and I'm like, I actually don't feel hungry. And I hadn't eaten like since breakfast and this was the evening because I was like, 
really looking forward to eating as much as I could at this wedding. I told my friend, I was like, dude, I'm really not hungry right now. And she was like, oh, that's weird. Well, maybe it's just because you haven't had anything since breakfast. And I was like, that's probably right. Like that happens sometimes, right? So I uh, take a few bites of my favorite alu chat and it was really good, but somehow it just like was not what I wanted in that moment. And so I kind of force like one after the other, these pani puris, because they're just like a mouthful you can have down my throat thinking, well, I must like need to eat food because I'm feeling kind of weird. I've got it. Maybe I just like I'm dehydrated. I need to like hydrate and feed myself. It's hot out, like all of these things, all of these excuses that you tell yourself when you're trying to pretend that you're not about to have food poisoning. So I start like eating as much as I could and like really trying to enjoy this experience. About an hour later, there's like the huge dancing portion uh, at the wedding. I was like, oh God, we go to dance and it's a lot of jumping up and down because I don't know any of the moves. And I start to feel incredibly, incredibly nauseous. And I like, I'm trying to be like a fun guest and everyone's like really excited because there's this like random girl there and they're like trying to show me like these dance moves. Like, this is how you do it. Like, do it with me. And I'm just like, barely standing up straight and I like run to the bathroom and yes I do have food poisoning it's supposed to be the best time in India um, and I'm in the bathroom for the rest of the night throwing up but the food was delicious and I can still eat pani puri which tells you how delicious it is because usually you know you don't eat the last thing you had before you um, get food poisoning because it stays with you but to this day I will certainly eat pani puri so that's probably my my best and worst food story of india Twenty-two-thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two-thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. Taste Bud Tempters in this episode featured Cheyenne Boyce, Ryan T. Bell, Christiana Botich, Lenny Russo, Luke Tyson, and Heather Byrne. We thank them for their stories and their willingness to try new things. For more about ECA exchanges, you can check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. Why have you not subscribed by this point? And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. You can find complete episode transcripts of each episode of 2233 at our webpage, eca.state.gov slash 2233. 
Special thanks this week to everybody for trying new things and for living to tell the tale and, and then for telling it. Featured music during this segment was Travel On by the Ramsey Lewis Trio. At the top of this episode, you heard Monkeys Spinning Monkeys by Kevin McLeod, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. Yeah, this is an advice podcast. So now you know what to do or not do when you're in Delhi. Yeah.